the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. This morning, I am going to be talking about the God of Relationships Biblical Fellowship. So we're going to be diving into the God of Relationships Biblical Fellowship. And when I think of the word fellowship this morning, I think I have a little bit of pastor's son PTSD because I'm a pastor's kid. And whenever I heard of fellowship growing up, I was like, oh my gosh, that means I'm going to be at church forever at the end of the day, right? Anybody remember like, okay. Uh, and then fellowship was always potlucks and oh, church potlucks. Like I have like, I still have nightmares of church potlucks. Okay, I don't know about you. If you've had like too many church potlucks in your life, you know, you're, you're going through food. I remember one time I was eating this lady's pasta and I started gagging a little bit. And, and I, I recognized that I had a, her hair in my mouth and I started pulling the hair out of my mouth, right? You know, I mean, church potlucks, right? Okay, sorry. Um, like I said, I have a little bit of PTSD. But when I think of fellowship, that's kind of what comes into my mind, I think that we need to have a better understanding of what fellowship is, especially in this past season of COVID where we were in isolation, right? We could not fellowship like we used to. And so I think especially in this time in the church, and I even think of the church at large, not just here at the sanctuary, we have a weak muscle in fellowship and community, right? And so God wants to build that. So I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about what real fellowship is. Fellowship is being known and knowing others. Are you knowable this morning? This often happens around a table. And so this morning, we're going to do communion together. We're going to reenact fellowship and what the early church did. But this often happens around the table. And in the New Testament, when you had a meal with somebody, and that's what Jesus often did, right? He was having meals with people, especially people that he wasn't supposed to have meals with, with sinners, right? Tax collectors and prostitutes. What it meant in the New Testament, when you were having a meal with somebody, you were actually knowing them, and they were knowing you, and you were accepting them. That's why Jesus got in so much trouble, because he was truly having fellowship and with, with people and loving people. But also, this is why communion is so important, because when we get, gather around the table and do communion together, we're not only recognizing that Jesus' blood was spilled for the forgiveness of our sins, amen, right? Such an amazing thing that Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross for us, but also that his body was broken, just like the bread, so that we could be whole and made new. And so there's something about coming to the fellowship, to the table of God, where we can be united with him. See, this is real life is lived around a real table, I remember when I was uh, 14 years old, someone challenged me, hey, Ashton, if you want to do ministry, you want to go reach people, I want to encourage you, go actually reach your friends and have a meal with them. And so uh, I had a mentor that was like, hey, I'll give you some money and you can go to McDonald's and you can bring your friends that don't know Jesus and you can share God's love with them. So at 14, I started Nugget Night. Yes, that was McDonald's, right? Um, I lived in a small town in Mojave, so it was like McDonald's, Denny's, or Taco Bell, right? And so I, my, my, my choices weren't too big. So I started at McDonald's and I remember being terrified, but going, man, I really want to live this Christian life out. I don't want it just to be a Sunday morning thing, right? God's calling me to actually reach my community. He's calling me to have fellowship, to bring people to the table of God. And so I took that seriously. And so I, I invited friends and the first week I was the only person there, right? And I'm going, oh man, maybe this isn't what God's calling me to do. But the Holy Spirit was like, no, keep reaching your friends. The next week, one person came. The next week, then two people came. And then we were praying. We're like, wow, we're seeing some momentum. And then all of a sudden the neighborhood street kids start coming. And I'm going, oh, wait a minute. 
And so I'm like, I need to start making some rules. You know, we're not going to cuss. We're not going to talk about girls inappropriately. Uh, right, I'm talking about teenage boys. Um, and, right, and, and so I was like, hey, we need to listen to the scripture. And I remember one boy came in that was a nightmare. His name was Joe Gano. And there's actually a picture of him right here. This kind of exemplifies Joe. Um, this is Joe Gano. Joe and I were around the same age. And, you know, he comes to my Bible study at Nugget Night. We're around the table. And Joe is like breaking every rule. He's cussing. He's talking about girls inappropriately. I remember every week I was like, God, please just don't bring Joe Gano back. You know what I mean? I, I was like, please, God, just don't do it. I, don't, I can't handle Joe Gano. But what was amazing is that he was slowly starting to listen. He was slowly starting to hear the gospel message. And then Joe got saved at McDonald's in Mojave. And then all of a sudden, then Joe, because Jesus is so amazing and his grace is so good, he invited all of his friends and then my sister goes, you know what, Ashton, maybe God's calling me to start uh, a Bible study. So I'm starting Taco Tuesday, amen? Come on, where are the tacos at? And so then the girls started a Bible study. Now our small church, our youth group that had 15 kids, now went to over 120 kids coming every single week. And it started because we lived life around the table. I think it's so important that we focus again as a church on being a people of fellowship, being people of relationship, Jesus says this in John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See, this is what we're called to be. We're called to be a loving church that's bringing people into fellowship with God. Amen? That is our mission. That's what we're called to do. And again, I think in the season of COVID, it's been hard, right? You know, just with coronavirus and meeting with people, but I believe God's calling us back to a season of fellowship. Amen? Does that resonate with anybody else here this morning? That we're here to reach people again. We're here to bring hope and light into this dark world. Now this morning, as we're talking about relationships, I felt like I wanted to give this warning and disclaimer. <laughs> when we're talking about relationship, any form of abusive relationship is never acceptable to God. Amen? As we're talking about relationships, any form of abuse is not acceptable to God. I found this really great uh, slide on the internet, internet wisdom, so check this slide out. This is what it says. A ship is meant to take you places... So in your relationship, your friendship, your companionship, your partnership, your fellowship isn't taking you closer to God, abandon ship. Amen? See, yeah, you could clap for that if you want. When we're looking at the relationships of our life, what I'm trying to say is our relationships will make or break us. They're so important. And so this morning, I want to dive into what does biblical fellowship look like? And so we're going to go into the genesis of the church, the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bible out, if you want to get your, um, your app out this morning, we're going to be doing our notes in just a moment. And I want to give you a little bit of context of what's happening in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole entire Bible because this is the birth of the church. Acts 2, 1 through 13, the Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost. So what had happened is that Jesus ascended into heaven, right? He, he died on the cross, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and then 50 days, penta means 50, 50 days later, they were seeking and praying, this is important, and then the Holy Spirit came down and filled them with power and empowered the church. This fulfilled the promise of Jesus in John 15 that he would send the helper, the advocate, the spirit of truth, that the Holy Spirit's power came down. But at this time too, it was a Jewish festival. That's, that means there were so many people that were in Jerusalem at this time. There was a lot of diversity and a lot of different people. So when the Holy Spirit fell and they were speaking in tongues, they were actually speaking the languages of all these people in these mother languages. It was this beautiful moment where God was saying, hey, I'm reaching now not just the church in, here in Jerusalem, but I want to reach the world. I want to reach all of the languages. So he gave the gift of tongues. 
Then Acts 2, 14 through 40, Peter preaches his famous sermon. I mean, he's just preaching. He's going, hey, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah that we crucified, that we killed. But guess what? His grace is here and that he wants to forgive your sins. So repent and be baptized. And this incredible movement of God happens. And it says at the end of this verse here, in verse 41, Acts 2, 41, 3,000 people accepted the message and were baptized, right? This is the context. This is what's leading up to the birth of the church. And this is where I want to take us this morning. Acts 2, 42 uh, through 47 says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. If you have a way to underline something in your Bible or your app, I want you just to underline that word fellowship. And the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, which is communion or some people call it the Eucharist, and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper or Communion or Eucharist, and shared the meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodness of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship, you might want to underline that word again, the fellowship, of those who were being saved. This is the beginning of the church. This is the genesis of who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. This is the birth of the church. So I want to look at insights this morning on how we can be a people of biblical fellowship, how we can get back to the mission of what God has called the church to be. The word fellowship in the original language is koinonia. Can you guys say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Koinonia. We'll try it one more time. One, two, three. Koinonia. It means this, and you can see this, this slide. Fellowship, that's where we get the word fellowship but it means life together, to actually share in common and to be a co-participant. It's an action word. It's saying we're going to actually be a part of something. We're not just talking about it. It's not just theory. It's actually practice. We're going to be literally the hands and feet of Jesus to this world, and we're going to be fellowship. See, fellowship, I think, out of any time ever, is under attack. And I think it's under attack because of this. In our culture today, there's this thing called individualism. And the best way I can define individualism is this. It's D-I-Y Christianity. Do-it-yourself Christianity. Right? And, and I put a slide up here. Do-it-yourself Christianity is not biblical. We need each other. Amen? We're in a time where people are like, oh, I'm just going to go off and do this. I'm going to listen to this podcast. I, I don't really know if I need to be in fellowship. I, I'm good over here on my own. I, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to have this pastor over here that I don't know really pastor me. How does that work, right? No, do-it-yourself Christianity, it's not biblical. We're meant to be in community, amen? We're meant to be in fellowship with one another. And I think more than ever, we're seeing uh, people not be in fellowship. So I want to call us back to that and what the Bible says this morning. So here's our first point. Biblical fellowship is devoted to Scripture, the Lord's Supper, communion, and prayer. And so this morning, if you want to put that in your, in your app, those are the, the fill in the blank. Biblical fellowship is devoted to scripture, the Lord's Summer, Supper, and prayer. And so I want to break down those two, oh, sorry, those three things. Number one, devoted to scripture in fellowship. Have you ever noticed that I don't, or actually, let's just put it this way. We don't get it all when we read the Bible. Have you ever wondered going, oh, I don't really know what this means. I don't really know where this is going. Have you ever been there before when you're reading the scripture, right? You're going, I, I don't know what's going on here. That's because we're, we're meant to read the scripture together, amen? That's, that's because we're all empowered by the Holy Spirit and we all have different insight. That's why we need to be a people that read the scripture like we're doing together to get insight. 
Next thing is devoted to prayer. Matthew 18, 20 says this, that people that come together, wherever two or three gather, God is in our midst. There's something powerful when people gather together to pray. And even if you look at Acts chapter two at Pentecost, they came together to pray, right? They were praying for 50 days. They were seeking God together for 50 days. Nothing happened until the 50th day. They were praying together. Man, I think the church, we need to come back to being people that are prayer warriors that pray together, amen? People that pray together, stay together. We need to come back to a church that prays. And then communion. It says here that they were committed to the Lord's Supper or eating together. Um, I want to read you guys one of the earliest documents we have besides the Bible of the early church. Is, that, is this pretty cool? So check this out. We're going to read of an account of Justin the martyr. This is one of the church fathers only about 70 years after the last apostle died. So 150 AD after the death of Jesus. And this is what it describes as an early church service that we can glean from. So check this out. On that day, which is called Sunday. Hey, that's today. Wow. All who live in the cities or in the countryside gathered together in one place. And the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as there is time. Then, when the reader has finished, the presider, in a discourse, admonishes and invites the people to practice uh, these examples of virtue. Basically, this is the pastor saying, hey, now that we've looked at the scripture, let's actually live out the scripture. Then we all stand up together and offer prayers. And as mentioned before, When we had finished the prayer, bread is presented and wine with water. The presider or the pastor likewise offers up prayers and thanksgiving according to his ability. And the people uh, assent by saying amen. The elements which have been Eucharized, or that word means given thanks over, that's what Eucharist means, giving thanksgiving, are distributed and received by each other and they are sent to the absent by the deacons. Those who are prosperous, if they wish, contribute with each one that deems appropriate, and the collection is deposited with the presider, the pastor, and he takes care of the orphans and widows and those who are needy because of sickness or other cause, and the captives and the strangers and the sojourners among us. In belief, he is the curate of all who are in need, and that is Justin Martyr, the first apology, 150 A.D., Isn't that amazing to see a little snippet of the church, what it looked like in the beginning? This is what the church looked like. And one thing I want to focus on is this. It's amazing to me that it says here that that the people that were missing in the church, that people that didn't gather that morning, they actually took communion to the people that weren't there. Isn't that fantastic? The deacons, the servants of the church, the, the people that were missing in this room. Hey, who's missing right now? Who isn't in church, right? We look around. Then we would go out and we'd actually reach those people. That's what it means to be in community and a fellowship is to go, man, who's missing? Who here needs God's love this morning? Another thing that's fascinating about looking at the early church here is in Acts 2.44, and this verse blows my mind, and this is the ESV version, and it says this, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. What? <laughs> the church had all things in common? They all were able to come together? Isn't that crazy, right? I mean, look at the church. If you were just to look at the whole church of the United States right now, just start here, or just even Santa Cruz. Like, can we agree on anything? <laughs> I love here that it says that they all came together and they were all able to agree. What was going on here? So this is our second, yeah, God, good, good, good answer. <laughs> this is the second fill in the blank. Biblical fellowship is found when believers stand on the common ground of Christ and Christ alone. What they did, Jesus was the big deal of the church. 
It wasn't all these things that divided them. Jesus was a big deal to church. If you look in Acts chapter 2, again, it was this diverse time. All these people came in for this Jewish festival. All these people, different tongues and nations and backgrounds. There were tons of things for them to divide on. But guess what Jesus does? He brings us together. He brings us together on the solid rock of Jesus that he has died for our sins and that he has rose again and that we can be the people of fellowship through him. Look at this quote from Pastor Timothy Keller. This is such a great quote. What binds Christians together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common ascents, common jobs, or anything else of that, of that sort. Christians come together because they have been saved by Jesus Christ. I love this last line. They are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. If you look at the early church, right? If you look at even the apostles, the people that followed Jesus, Jesus' disciples, they were natural enemies. You had tax collectors. You had a politician, a zealot. You had fishermen, right? You had all these people, all these different backgrounds and different mixes. But Jesus is the common ground that we can stand on, amen? We need to come back to a place that is Jesus and Jesus alone. We are in a divisive time. We're in a time that I've never seen. And, and I've talked with Pastor Marty. I've talked with my mentors. They're going, I've never seen a division like this. And I believe God is calling us back to fellowship in Jesus and standing on Jesus and Jesus alone. Is Jesus the big deal of your life? Are you loving your enemies? Are you wanting fellowship with the people that God wants you to be in fellowship with this morning? The third point and the last point for us this morning is this. Biblical fellowship is being a co-participant in the mission of God. Biblical fellowship is being a co-participant in the mission of God. Let's look here back at Acts 2, 46, or 45 through 46. It says this, they sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. These weren't just Christians, by the way. This was the whole community at that time. They worshiped together at the temple and, and, uh, each day and met in their homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. This is who the church was. See, we're a co-participant and sharing uh, with one another, and sharing generosity with one another, and living the great commission out with one another. That's what we're doing as the biblical model of fellowship. I told you guys about the story of Joe Gano in the beginning of my message, right? Um, that crazy kid that came to my Bible study when I was 14 years old, and the, the kid that I was praying for, that I was like, God, I don't know why you're sending this, this kid to me. What's crazy about my, my story with Joe is I had this inner battle of wanting to not really be in fellowship, wanting not to really reach out to the people around me, wanting things to divide me, and wanting things to, to be comfortable and safe. And I think that's our human nature. I think our human nature is to be comfortable and is, is to be safe. But who knows that following Jesus is not comfortable and safe. That following Jesus, he takes us out of our comfort zone, huh? Anybody this morning, have you been taken out of your comfort zone by Christ, right? That's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to love people outside. He's calling us, like Pastor Marty says, we're the only institution that exists for the people that aren't here. We're here to reach the people outside of the church, amen? We're here to reach the people that don't know Jesus. We're here to reach people like Joe. And again, here's this guy, Joe Gano. And his name really was Joseph Gano, just so you know. <laughs> On July 6, 2012, Joe was killed by a drunk driver. I led Joseph's memorial service at Mojave High School where 500 people came to honor Joe's life. I remember that day giving a message about God's grace because Joe had struggled. He wasn't born in a Christian family. He didn't really have that background that, that I had, but, but he loved Jesus. 
And there were times in his life that I saw him fully following Jesus, and he was even a youth leader in our, in our youth ministry for a while, and then there was times that he fell away. But I remember saying in the memorial service, God's grace is bigger than our biggest mistake. And that's who Joe was. God's grace was over Joe's life. This morning, I want to conclude with this. I want to conclude with this thought. Hey, are we being people that are willing to reach out to others around us that need Jesus? Are we willing to be in real, true relationship with one another and love the people around us? In just a moment, we're actually going to practice fellowship. That's why I gave a smaller uh, sermon today, a shorter message. We're actually going to be able to, to have some discussion questions. So if you want to put your Bible and your things aside, um, we're going to change up the morning service a little bit. And even online, I'll explain that to you. But before we go into that time, we're going to go into a time of communion and even a time of response to the Lord. So if you just want to bow your heads and close your eyes, let's respond to God's word and his love for us today. This morning, I believe that God is calling us back to a place of fellowship. And I believe that there's some people here in this room that you maybe feel out of fellowship, you feel disconnected, you feel disjointed. Maybe there's been division in this past season in the church. I don't just talk about the sanctuary, but, but even just in our world, right? Just all the craziness that's been going on, all these things have been dividing. But this morning, God is calling us back to be his family. God is calling us back to fellowship with one another and fellowship with God. See, that's what Jesus did on the cross that he brought us back into relationship with the Father. Things were broken, things were disjointed, but Jesus brings us back together. And so this morning, before we take communion, before we remember the blood, before we remember the body that was broken for us, I wanna give you an opportunity. If you just need to reconnect with Christ, you just need to come back into fellowship with Jesus. You've been letting other things become the big deal and not letting Jesus be that big deal in your life. I want to lead you back into that relationship with him this morning. So with every head bowed and eye closed, this morning, if that's you saying, hey, pastor, I just need to reconnect with God. I need to start a relationship with Jesus. I need to be in fellowship with God. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? Amen, amen. Anybody else here this morning saying, hey, I just need to reconnect with Jesus? Awesome. If that's you, and even online, we want to connect with you. Um, it's important as you're making a decision to follow Jesus that you uh, follow up with us because we want to walk with you in relationship. So there's a slide here um, to text Jesus. It's 661-276-9090. If you're online and you want to connect and you're making Jesus the Lord of your life today, please text us. Um, and also if you're here in person. Um, Amen. If you guys want to look up, I want to read us some, uh, some scripture on communion, and then we're going to go into our time of discussion this morning, okay? And so let's take communion. If you guys uh, didn't get communion or at home, uh, if you don't have communion yet, you can go grab that. And if you didn't get communion this morning, uh, raise your hand. Anybody here this morning you didn't get communion? Uh, can we get some ushers to help uh, please distribute the communion there? Um, I want to read us the scripture this morning and take communion together. This is what it says in Matthew 26. 26 through 28, as we prepare for communion. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. Verse 27, And he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is the blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And it poured out as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of many sins. This morning, if you want to open up your communion together, I want to pray for us that as we're taking communion, that no matter where we're at this morning, that Jesus' blood is still covering and forgiving our sins. Amen? No matter where you've fallen short this week, <laughs> I know I've fallen short this week, God's blood covers us. 
and that his body was broken. And I know, man, I got some broken things in my life that I need Jesus to heal this morning. This is the meal that heals our souls. So let's take and partake of the communion right now together. And I wanna pray for you as you guys do that. Jesus, we give thanks this morning. We thank you that your sacrifice on the cross is still good for us today. That Jesus, that your blood covers us. Lord, we thank you that Jesus, that you were pierced. Lord, that you were broken for our transgressions, our sin this morning. So that, Lord, that we could be made healed. And so, made whole. And, 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 and so, God, right now, would you pour out your spirit on us as the church? Lord, would you bring us into deeper fellowship and relationship with you? And that, Lord, as our relationship starts with you, Lord, that that would trickle out to our relationships with one another. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you.